Welcome to Unity of Tucson. I want to talk today a little bit about uh, principle. And I want to start today with the five principles. Remember we studied that? Yeah, so we have five principles, which are the basis of pretty much everything we teach and uh, within, within unity and, and that approach to the New Thought teaching. And I say that these five principles are the five principles of all New Thought traditions. Um, and however you choose, whatever direction you choose is right. Because I believe that these five principles are applicable in any spiritual path, in any faith tradition. Uh, so whatever your background is, perhaps you are trying to reject it. That happens. Some people do try to, they come to these centers because they're like, that no longer works for me, but this might. And then they find out, oh, well, actually, there are aspects of that which perhaps still work when we rethink. And that's the whole point of new thought. So here are the principles that we teach. God is all there is. That's the first principle. God is all there is. There is nothing else. Nothing else exists. God is not some being out there. God is the beingness of all creation. We are that power. We are that presence. And that's the second principle. We are divine. There is no aspect of our beingness which can be separate from God if God is all there is, if God is infinite. So we are that power. We are the presence. God is, we are. The third principle is our thoughts, our beliefs, our feelings have creative power. Our thoughts, beliefs, and feelings have creative power to influence the events and determine our experiences of life. And that's a really important one because what we're basically saying there is we know who we are, and that means we must be responsible to the outflow of our own lives, and we cannot put it in the hands of anything else outside the self. The fourth principle is we direct these experiences, we direct our circumstances, we direct the events of our lives through affirmative prayer, through meditation, through spiritual practice. And the primary practices we teach are affirmative prayer and meditation. And the fifth principle is this. It is a choice. It is a choice to live from this perspective. And that's really important to me. Oftentimes, uh, I'm about to reference a book, and I'm hoping that we have copies of the book in the bookstore, because inevitably I mention a book, and then everybody runs and they try to get that book. So carry on, if you're listening, if we have copies of this book, great. If we don't, I'm really sorry. <laughs> There's a book that I often refer to as the fundamental, like it's the first book I invite people to read if they're new to this philosophy. It's not even my book. Um, <laughs> The book is called The Power of Decision by Raymond Charles Barker. And in The Power of Decision, which is all focused on that fifth principle, essentially, it is a choice to live from this perspective. And our decisions are creating our experiences. So how are you doing with that? How are you doing with that? You know, this month is freedom. That's our theme. We're, we're celebrating freedom this month. I don't know why freedom 
you know, because usually people say, oh, it's February, we're going to celebrate love. And I love love, but love also is an invitation for us to live in infinite freedom because what, is, what, could, be more love, what could be more loving than to be infinitely in the state of mind of freedom for ourselves? Ernest Holmes offered this. The divine plan is one of freedom. Bondage is not God-ordained. Freedom is the birthright of every living soul. Thus, the inherent nature of humankind is forever seeking to express itself in terms of freedom. I think what drew me to a spiritual center, a new thought spiritual center first and foremost, was this notion that bondage is not God-ordained. But I was brought up, even unchurched, I was brought up with some idea that bondage was somehow a requirement for life because, you know, God was out there and being judgmental, and so I had to hold myself in bondage. Bondage is not God-ordained. Freedom is the birthright of every living soul. And so, if God's nature is to forever seek to express itself in terms of freedom, that must be our nature, and that's rooted in those first two principles. God is all there is, and that's who and what we are. Are we choosing in every moment to express ourselves in terms of freedom? That's a rhetorical question. This morning I was at Starbucks. I know that's a shocker. (laughs) And I get get to Starbucks usually at about 5 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. Uh, as I'm making my way up here to prepare for the Sunday morning celebration. And I walked into Starbucks, and the barista's there. I mean, they all know me. (laughs) Another shocker, I'm sure. Uh, They were having this conversation about faith traditions. And and I'm not going to name any faith traditions uh, by name, but they were talking about a particular faith tradition that is a little challenging for them to understand. And they said, it feels a little cultish. And I said, well, you're not going to get any argument from me about this particular faith tradition. It wasn't new thought, by the way. <laughs> but we talked about the nature of, you know, the reason that it felt cultish to them is because once they were in, once somebody came into that tradition, they were bound. They could not leave. They couldn't leave. And I said, well, you know how I tell people that new thought traditions and unity and religious science that were not cults? There's the door. If this works for you, magnificent. And if it doesn't work for you, find what works for you. That's my desire. I want you to find what works for you. We are all rooted with, we are all endowed with and rooted in uh, the, with the capacity of self-determination. You know, we're about to read Emerson's essay on self-reliance in the Emerson class. It's coming up, well, now two weeks from, <laughs> from now, or a week and a half from now. But self-determination, self-reliance, those are absolute truths that I hold firm in my own resolve in the way that I want to live my life because bondage is not God-ordained. The only thing that can keep me bound is myself. That's the only thing that can keep me bound is my own self, my own way that I approach life, the thoughts, the beliefs, and the feelings that I have that keep me limited. That's what being in bondage is all about, and God is not out there saying, that's the way it's supposed to be, because there is no God out there. And so the more I convince myself that God is binding me, the more I will live in the state of bondage. But it's my belief, my feeling, 
and the thoughts I have around that. So it has taken me some time to release those, and I've done a pretty good job. Done a pretty good job. You know, we are here. It is my desire that we each perhaps come into a realization that our quality of life can be enhanced through rethinking what we've always thought. And then there's this aspect of the New Thought tradition that many people don't like to hear, (laughs) and it's this. The responsibility is yours, and yours alone. It is not my responsibility. I absolve myself of any responsibility to your quality of life. (laughs) Your quality of life is up to you. How are you choosing to move forward? And it's all in choice. And the absolute truth that I hold from in my own resolve, and perhaps this will resonate with you, is that freedom is choice. We have choice to live our lives in whatever manner we want. So those people that have decided to bind themselves in that other tradition that feels cultish, God bless them. That's their choice. And I will not think less of them. When I see them, I will know the truth of their being from my own perspective. They are the face of God too. We are microcosmic expressions of the macrocosm. Each and every one of us is a little expression of God. Each and every one of us is a facet on that jewel that is God. We reenact the creative process of the divine, the infinite creative process individually in everything we do, everything we think, everything we say. Our thoughts to the power of our, uh, to the power of our beliefs, to the power of our feelings, that's what is really creating the quality of our life. And it's all energy. It's all energy. You know, we talk about, we talk about uh, the word. I, talk, I gave a talk about the word at one point, and I said, you know, the word is not the language we use. The word is the energy of creation. And we can get confused sometimes in terms of the language that comes from older traditions that we're trying to, you know, wrestle in to make work in a tradition now as we try to think through and understand more deeply these principles. And, you know, now we're getting into these quantum science theories that are just throwing everything for a loop because we're saying, hey, quantum science is saying what we've said all along and what all the mystics of the world have said all along. But we get ourselves so confused. So I want to simplify for you once and for all in theory. (laughs) Quantum theory, yeah. Well, so I read some books on quantum theory when I was studying to get my doctorate of consciousness studies. And of course, all the books started off by saying, if you think you understand quantum theory, you don't. Every single one of them. Your quality of life is your responsibility and is rooted in your energy. Your energy. Our thoughts, beliefs, and feelings bring into expression everything in our life. So the question is, what are you thinking? How are you feeling? And what are the beliefs that are rooted in that? This is, this is very much a kind of a fundamental new thought talk. That truly is the basis. Our thoughts, our beliefs, and our feelings are all working together to create our life. The word does not equal the language we use. The word is the energy, the energy of self-contemplation. As we contemplate ourselves, our expression flows forth. God contemplated itself into being. 
Expression is the self-contemplation of God. All is consciousness. Everything is consciousness. And all form flows forth from consciousness. And the only thing God knows to create itself, to create from, is itself. So we can't be anything other than God. People have a hard time hearing that sometimes because they think, oh, he's saying that he's God. Well, yeah, I am. And so are you. We are all that power. We are all that power. But we still live with this notion that God is something that has dominion over us. And so when I say, I am that I am, when I say, I am God, you are God, I am saying that is the equalizer. There is no hierarchy. We are all equal in this expression. All is consciousness. And a change in consciousness equals a change in experience. So the tendency of our thinking is what is creating the majority of our experiences. And a tendency in thought can really take us for a ride. And I am, frankly, a lot more interested in addressing my consistent tendencies, those, those chronic tendencies, than my acute thoughts in any moment. Because my acute thoughts in any moment, oh, well, I can address those pretty easily. It's those chronic thoughts that shape my outgoing and on, outflowing experience on a consistent basis. That's the quality of life. So I want to address the chronic thoughts, because therein lies the possibility for change changing my entire life, my entire flow of life. Many people look for shortcuts, for those quick fixes. And it's very possible that a shortcut or a quick fix will do some change in your life, but they may do little in the long run if you have not addressed the greater thought, the greater chronic belief behind the thinking. I talk about that all the time, like, oh, I can manipulate the circumstances to my good, uh, but i got to hold on to it. And the minute I let go of that in the moment, that acute holding on, the minute I let go, I will step back into the habit. Ultimately, what I'm interested in is the elimination of the negative thoughts. Elimination is one of the 12 powers. We use the word renunciation. We use the word release. The idea is letting go. The idea is about letting go. Go, And we're about to step into a period where I encourage everyone every year to let go. Twelve years ago, was it twelve years ago? Yeah, twelve years ago, right about this time, I was in New Orleans. You know what's happening in New Orleans right now? Mardi Gras. Yeah. Mardi Gras is the culmination, of course, is the, car of the culmination of the carnival season. And... Uh, that season lasts from Epiphany, January 6th, the 12th day of Christmas, through Ash Wednesday in liturgical calendars, uh, in, in, it's called Ordinary Time. Um, Carnival is predominantly a Catholic tradition, and basically, it is the storm before the calm, the party before the fast. And boy, I'll tell you, when I was in New Orleans, right around Mardi Gras, it was quite a party. <laughs> Anyone ever been to New Orleans for Mardi Gras? Uh, yeah. yeah. So first of all, I changed the colors today to be traditional Mardi Gras colors. Purple for justice, gold for power, and green for faith. So we're celebrating a little of Mardi Gras because Ash Wednesday is this coming Wednesday. So Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday is literally what that means, is on Tuesday. 
So I was, in, I, was, I was there in New Orleans the weekend before Mardi Gras. We were about the same time period. And um, here's the thing about the week before Mardi Gras, too. The population of New Orleans more than doubles during that week. So February 17th of 2012, I was at a spiritual convention. <laughs> the irony is not lost on me. <laughs> and we were literally in the Sheraton right across from the French Quarter. <laughs> And they put us into a lockdown at one point because they didn't want anybody who was there to celebrate, you know, Mardi Gras to be coming in. So we, you could, like, you had to have special passes to get into the hotel. You had to be a guest at the hotel to be able to get in. And so we're having this, you know, we're having this party, as you do. And I started thinking about my approach to the notion of Mardi Gras and, and the French Quarter and these ideas that I brought with me to that first time I'd ever been to New Orleans, and, and oh, well, right over there is Bourbon Street. And, well, I've heard about Bourbon Street. And as a minister, should I be going down Bourbon Street? <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> I had to ask myself, do I believe that there is any place that God is not? God is in that experience as well. I made a decision before I went to New Orleans that I was going to be ministerial. <laughs> now, mind you, this is February of 2012. I only received my license in July of 2011. I was really young in this. Um, so I thought to myself, well, you know, I'm going to go. I might go watch, you know, one of the parades, but I'm not going to try to get any beads. <laughs> because because certainly a minister would never try to get beads. <laughs> then I had to remind myself, God is in the beads. <laughs> I got a lot of beads. I'll show you the picture sometime. <laughs> so you may be wondering, what does this all amount to? Why am I talking about this experience in New Orleans? Well, part of it is that there was this like ramp up in Mardi Gras, and I got into it, and I had such a great time and partied. Boy, did I party, as you do. <laughs> And it all leads up to Lent, right? Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent. Lent, the traditional purpose of Lent, I, you know, and Wikipedia says this, the traditional purpose of Lent is the penitential preparation of the believer through prayer, penance, repentance, almsgiving, and self-denial. It culminates on Easter Sunday, marking the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we have this 40-day period, 40 days and 40 nights, that begins on Ash Wednesday and takes us through to Easter Sunday. And it is all about giving things up so that I can be in repentance, so that I can be, oh, I have to deny myself any joy in my life. Hmm. During the Lenten season, some faithful observance commit to that form of fasting, temporarily giving up certain types of luxury. And so my question to you is, if you were going to participate in Lent, what luxury might you give up? And, it's, and I'm going to talk about a particular luxury that I think we all take for granted that ultimately is more self-destructive than it is luxurious. What are you ready to eliminate? Well, I've decided that Lent is an acronym 
Lent. And I think I skipped a slide. I apologize. I skipped through a Charles Fillmore quote slide. There must be a renunciation or letting go of old thoughts before the new can find place in the consciousness. This is a psychological law which has outer expression in the intricate eliminative functions of the body. That's part of what Charles Fillmore had to offer around uh, uh, elimination or release. All right, so we're going to go past that um, because here's what I think Lent means. Ready? Let's eliminate negative thinking. And I know you've heard me say this before, those of you who've been part of my ministry for a long time, but this, I hold so firm and resolved in this, that this is how we move through judgment. We eliminate judgment. We eliminate ideas of being less than. We eliminate chronic beating up of ourselves. And I say that those things are luxuries because we would not continue to engage in them unless we got something from them. But I'm going to tell you what, those are acute solutions to chronic problems. And as we allow ourselves to come into long-term solutions, we will find magnificent change in the quality of our life. Now, there's a little bit of a misnomer in this. Because it's hard to eliminate something that you think about. I'm not going to have negative thinking. No, I'm not going to have negative thinking, right? So I want to invite you to a method to eliminate negative thinking. And the way that we can eliminate negative thinking is by continually pouring in the good. Imagine you have that bowl of water, muddy water, right? I think you've all heard this as a metaphor before. You don't clear out the mud by trying to scoop out the mud, by trying to eliminate the mud. If you take the clear water and you pour it in and you keep pouring in the clear water, what happens is that that water begins to overflow the bowl and what you will finally be left with is clear water because it crowds it all out. That's what I'm going to invite us to do during this season of Lent. To eliminate negative thinking, keep pouring in the good, keep pouring in the positive, keep pouring in the magnificent understanding of your being. Are you willing to do that? That year in New Orleans, I had many ideas, preconceived ideas about Mardi Gras, not as a celebration, but as an excuse for bad behavior. And I decided that was not something I was interested in. That was judgment. That was judgment about an experience, but all judgment is self-judgment. I was judging myself within that construct of mind. If I find myself judging anything in any way, that is always an act of self-judgment. And chronic negative thinking creates more of the same. Ultimately, I changed my mind. Ultimately, I changed my mind. So what might you change your mind about today? This year, let us observe Lent. Pour in the constructive thoughts, pour in the positive thoughts, pour in the good, and let's eliminate negative thinking. Peace and blessings, you're magnificent. <laughs> and so, as I mentioned, Lent begins on Wednesday. And if you, uh, were, if you know, uh, as part of this offering I give every Sunday, I invite you into some homework. If you're new to the community, I give homework every week. And so this homework is going to be for the period of Lent. You have a few days to celebrate before you get there if you want. 
but let's plan to pour in the good. Let's plan to make a practice every single day, every single moment, every single instant of pouring in the good thoughts and being on high watch for those things that are destructive. Let us move into the constructive. And that's going to be homework for 40 days and 40 nights. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.